Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. Chrissy here with Xander and Charlie. And today we're going to have an interesting discussion. Uh, I think this first came up because I saw someone post on LinkedIn. Shout out to Grant Gregorian. But he was asking on behalf of someone who's network and saying, like, does marketing ops have a ceiling? Can you actually get to a VP of marketing ops? Do those roles exist? They obviously do. But like, is it realistic to have that goal? Or are we all facing this impending, you know, ceiling if we want to move up in the career path uh, in marketing operations? So yeah, I thought it'd be a good one to discuss for a lot of folks who listen. You probably have that career path right in front of you, or you're thinking about that career path. So I thought it would be a good discussion. Yeah, so I can probably just start with a little bit of background, but I want to hear definitely from Xander and Charlie. But for me, I think 10 years ago, you know, before starting CS2, it did feel like there was a ceiling. If anything, I probably kind of thought, oh, if people want to take me seriously, I need to kind of move out of operations and maybe move toward a path to become a CMO. So I kind of pivoted and wanted to go in more into demand gen, but just ended up doing all the roles anyway, operations and demand gen. And I saw the need for operations even more, like everything couldn't run without having good, strong operations. But at the time, I just didn't see it. Like, where was my career going? I didn't see VPs of marketing operations, let alone even director level. And so I thought, you know, I had a lot of mentors tell me, okay, go down this other path. Like, I think if you want to be an executive, go down the CMO path, you're very business minded and yada, yada, yada. And then I think, Charlie, you probably were already working or thinking about that and working down that path. But things have changed and the role has elevated, but has it elevated enough? Or what do we need to do if we want to think about going into more of a leadership role is the question. So, yeah. What do you two think? I have had some recent conversations with people just in terms of here's where my career is at. And they're incredibly gifted, smart and experienced marketing ops leaders who are still finding themselves like not working on the big stuff. There's so many other roles in the organization that are taking on the big projects and not thinking like, does marketing ops have a seat here? Whether it's a cross-functional effort that requires a lot of different stakeholders, but for some reason, marketing ops sometimes gets, gets excluded out of there. And then you also have people who are in these roles where they have the title, but they don't necessarily have the responsibility. They're still stuck doing campaign operations or data adjustments or just being very tactical, which needs to get done, but they don't have the budget and they don't have the team structure in place to really elevate themselves, which we've talked about in the past on like advice and, and things that can be done to try and advocate for that. But at the end of the day, budgets are budgets. And a lot of folks out there are just kind of stuck. So I have a little bit of a dreary point of view on that in terms of really feeling like you can cap out at a marketing operations level. Yeah. I think there's something that we probably need to talk about here around size of company. A lot of companies we work with, pre-IPO, scale-up organizations and Mm-hmm. They are always going to have smaller ops teams because they're smaller businesses, right? But the bigger the company gets, the more headcount across the whole org, the bigger the ops team. So potentially, I think there's like a, a different dynamic with the bigger companies because there's like more room to grow in terms of like layers and then having direct reports. 
But until you get to the top, your roles are more niche, right? Like mm-hmm. you might be someone who's just like just only doing just a particular part of campaign arts, right? Not even just like owning all of the campaigns. Like there could be one person who just like only does this one type of reporting. And so you end up, you can end up getting like a little bit pigeonholed into yeah. kind of a smaller role in a bigger org. But then the the upside is that if you can be that person who kind of still is interested in a lot more than just your role and kind of like progress and learn and kind of move up the ranks, then maybe you can be, you can get to a, a senior person who can have a, a bigger team. With a smaller company, you've almost got the opposite problem where you've got too much to do in your role mm-hmm. and you need to be both tactical and strategic. They're not going to hire a load of people under you. So you're always going to be bogged down by that and being kind of like pulled downwards. So you can't elevate up. So you know, you're getting the experience to elevate up maybe faster than the person in the bigger company, but you're not able to move up in the smaller org. Because one, they don't have mm-hmm. the budget to kind of like get people below you to help you move up. So I think that's like a kind of an interesting dynamic that curious to get both of your perspectives on that. What's a bit challenging sometimes too is like when you do go into a, a larger company and then you want to move your way up, like you mentioned direct reports. And I think that kind of lends to people who want to manage people. But then I think a lot of operators just like really like doing their job and the work and thinking through like all the problem solving and stuff like that. And so I think we've talked about in past podcasts, but it almost feels like we need to mimic or copy engineering type functions and think about like individual contributor role and levels versus management and like people management levels. Because I do see them as being two different paths and different types of personalities want that type of job, but they shouldn't be like stifled. But it is also, you know, a bit different than engineering where they have that structure. You're If you're building out a big part of the product and you're going to get paid a lot to do that, like it's a very important role. And I think that's not very clear when it comes to marketing operations, even if you're a very technical, but very high level technical person in the role, how can you paint that to the organization to say like, yeah, I'm a, I see the top level and I should get paid for that versus someone who is maybe leading the strategy or managing people and things like that, which come with a lot of responsibility and so forth. So I think that is one of the hard parts. And if someone is has been in a startup or a fast-moving scale-up, and then you go into a big company, I think the pace of innovation and the pace of like how things actually get done, it would be like shocking. Like I knew that about myself. I thought about maybe moving to a big company before CS2. And I think when I reflected a lot, I was like, oh, it's not for me. That's the tricky part. Right now, like you said, if you, even if you want to get out of the work, it might even be too slow or too much red tape there. And then you still feel like you're being a bit stifled. Yeah, I mean, we see that even sometimes with our bigger clients, right? There's a lot of just change management, kind of like long, long projects where there's like less, less of it is actually about kind of the, the work. And a lot of it is about getting buy-in across multiple, multiple people building decks to kind of like get people on the same page, lots of kind of spinning your wheels around certain things, which, you know, big companies arguably do need to do that because they they don't want to 
maybe rush things. But at the same time, if you're the kind of person that's worked in a smaller company, maybe mop team of one, able to just do a lot of like fast moving work and really enjoy that, then the bigger company may not be for you, even if it is going to maybe provide you more opportunities to get direct reports. But like you said, career growth doesn't have to mean direct reports. Mm-hmm. In a lot of companies, it does mean that, yeah. but maybe that's wrong. We probably can't change the world that we live in and too much where there's probably, or most cases, developing your career, you're going to have to start taking direct reports for a lot of companies. But maybe there are some companies out there that value the kind of individual contributor path. I think that that conversation of IC versus person leadership is important as we consider it with the size of the company. A larger company is probably going to have more opportunities for ICs to grow in their career path. If not, they're at least going to have more opportunities to introduce that and advocate for themselves. If you're a mops person of one and you're like, I just really want to be technical, but you don't have anybody to lead the mops team, like (laughs) that's going to be difficult to advocate in a smaller, mid-sized org. And so you really have to reflect on that versus, you know, Chrissy, you were saying like, I'm going to move over to demand gen because this Mm -hmm. is an opportunity to grow. Well, even in a smaller organization, it's a lot more common to see a VP of demand gen or a Mm -hmm. senior director of demand gen before you're going to see that in a marketing operations role. And I think that that's a little bit of where the ceiling is. I don't think that it's necessarily 100% across the board. Everybody has the same ceiling. But the ceiling is going to be at different levels, depending on size of organization, size of team. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. It's like marketing ops, it's like a position always under another umbrella, right? In small to mid-sized businesses. So you're always like the marketing ops senior manager who reports to the demand gen director or VP of marketing or like under the marketing or or you're the, you know, MOPS senior manager under the RevOps. And then you've got like a RevOps VP and then the people reporting to them. And it's like, then your ceiling is always determined by one of those two orgs that you're in. Like who's the most senior person there? You can't be more senior than them. So yeah, if you're in a scale up startup, all of these companies don't even have like a CMO potentially, like maybe the most senior person in marketing is a VP of marketing. Or even if it is a CMO, then they have like a, maybe a VP of marketing. Yeah. You're not going to have a VP of marketing ops under a VP of marketing, right? Maybe you can get to director in that case, but yeah, even then. And then once you talk about the RevOps side as well, it's the same, it's the same thing, right? Maybe RevOps reports into the CRO or whoever. And then now if the most senior person in RevOps is a VP or a senior director, then that's, you know, you've got always got to be one or two rungs below that. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I feel like an antidote to some of this, especially if you're at a scale up or a startup, is what we kind of always talk about our like top tip to becoming less tactical. But I think just trying to align yourself like more on the analytics side or kind of really focusing on the performance of the business. That's where I've seen really people, you know, elevate themselves. I think at the same time, like being able to figure out a roadmap, ask for resources, and then focus most of your time on figuring out how to improve the business and drive revenue, like to me, is a good way to like fast track yourself to like a leadership role, even if it is a small company. If you just continue to do the tactics, 
but then that's it. Like people are very much going to be okay with you staying in that role. But if you like maybe champion for yourself, carve out the time, really even show the business that like you can actually find opportunities or give the analysis, be proactive about it. I think sometimes we're always like waiting for people to tell us what to do. And I think I very rarely see people grow when they're always just waiting for someone to tell them what to do instead of being really proactive around their career and what they want and pushing themselves. Yes, that might mean that you need to extend yourself a bit more to do it. But what I think once you do, you can prove to the company and then that will help you, you know, okay, I get a campaigns person, so I don't have to do my, you know, spend my time on that. Or I can just bring on an agency to help out with parts of the business that can just run on their own. So I would say like, I guess this is more of a tip and I know we're having a conversation, but I do feel like the people or the operators who I see really propel their careers do that. And they're kind of the right hand man or woman to a CMO or like to the business. And I think having that business like marketing savviness to like know what's good marketing, what's good go to market strategy, all of that instead of just how do I get it done, I think can really propel you to. Well, it's kind of the jobs to be done framework, right? Like if you look at kind of the most senior person in your hierarchy and think about what are the jobs that they need to get done and try and help them get those jobs done, you know, CMO or VP of marketing, their job is to essentially allocate resources the right way and make smart bets grow the business, drive revenue. And if you can help them allocate budget the right way by making better decisions, what's working, what's not working, this is what we always talk about, kind of being this right-hand person to them around their decision-making and analytics. It does kind of bring you closer to them. And I know a lot of pushback whenever I've said this, whenever we've said this, is that kind of to what you're saying, often you're, you're the person, you've got your role, you've just got to do your role and you're too busy. But like you said as well, no one's ever kind of fast tracked their career by like just doing their role and just doing only what's expected of them, right? right? Even if you can cover a couple of hours to like try and do a bit more of something else, then that can help. But I'm curious from both of, both of you, like your perspective on RevOps versus marketing ops being in the marketing org, what do you think has the lower or higher ceiling? in terms of prog uh, career progression. Do you think there is kind of a, a perspective on that? Or obviously, is it, is it to it depends you know, between different sides of companies? I think that it really comes down to how large your marketing team is and like how focused they are on go-to-market. Because like to Chrissy's point, if you can be the right-hand person to the CMO, you can break out of that, like reporting into digital or reporting into demand. I feel like that's like a common place for marketing ops to live. But if you can really provide that strategic value to your CMO, they're more likely going to say, let's move them and have them become a direct report. And now I have a direct line. And at that point, you don't really have to go a rev ops route. Maybe you don't get the team of 10 but you're still providing that elevated level of success. And maybe you're finding other ways to support what needs to be done, whether that's through agencies or through maybe one or two hires. And then the conversation when the CMO says, hey, I really need this board deck complete. And you're like, well, I have five campaigns to do. 
what if we had some extra help to get the campaigns done and then I could work on those board decks for you more because you've been providing that value. And if you have to have that be taken away for the day to day, it becomes a lot more like meaningful and intangible for that leader to, to maybe understand and reprioritize. Yeah, I agree with you on that part. I also think if someone on the marketing upside and wants to stay on the marketing upside, you have maybe a stronger chance of staying close to data, staying close to what good marketing is and like what's good go-to-market strategy. But I see the path for you to become a CMO still or like a VP of marketing and then a CMO. I don't see that person staying if they want to get to that level, right? If they they want the highest thing available, that's where I see the opportunity still. Are you saying that's a strong possibility or are you saying that's like the only, that's the only kind of senior, really senior position so like, does that mean you'd have to be marketing ops manager, director, then like a VP of marketing and then CMO kind of thing? I think that's the most realistic from what I see right now. Like if I had to choose, like if you're going to stay more on the marketing focus side. I used to think that. I used to think that marketing ops was a really good path to the CMO, but I don't see it. Do you know anyone that's actually made the switch from senior marketing ops to like a VP of marketing? Actually, I do know one, actually. I have a mentor uh, a that's few, in the process. I know a few people, yeah. like including Claire's mom. <laughs> yeah. Shout Leah, out to Claire. <laughs> Leah was in, but, in marketing ops and now the CMO of Storyblock. So yeah, there, there yeah, are there are some can, cases. I think it can happen. But I, I think if you want to stay more on the operations side and like close to technology and things like that, I do see that RevOps, ahead of RevOps has the higher chance of building out a true leadership role there. Yeah, like there, there, there could be, a, there's probably more chance of being a VP of RevOps than a VP of Marketing Ops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would agree. I think just with the way that things are going, because even look at the work that we do, it's all very much like revenue operations focus or focusing on revenue growth. And it's less about just like the campaigns and how those are structured and things like that. It's such a small sliver of it. But it doesn't mean that it's not important, but I think a good kind of leader understands how all the pieces fit together, how all the revenue functions have their own operations that need to be orchestrated very well together. But I do think that someone coming up through marketing ops is better suited for a VP of rev ops than a sales ops person. So that's like another thing where maybe you have an advantage is because I think you have the exposure to more things. It's very rare that you find like a sales ops person who then understands how a market automation platform works, how campaigns are designed, how do you report on those, how a funnel works. But you can very much find a marketing ops person who's who knows all that or knows more sales operations type activities or understand how opportunities are managed and how you report on them. So I do think marketing ops has an edge there to actually Especially get to. if you've worked in a smaller company. Yes, like especially if, if you worked at a company, small company, exactly, yeah. Yeah, because a like bigger company, like I know a lot of people in marketing ops, sometimes they don't even like have access to Salesforce. Maybe they do, but they definitely aren't allowed to do anything in Salesforce. So they're very limited on their totally. abilities to like learn the Salesforce side unless they do it proactively outside of their org. Yeah, no, so I totally I agree with you, smaller company though. I think that we're kind of bringing up two things, like where an organization size makes sense. If you maybe want to go really niche and be like an IC 
for focus on something really specific, like say that's just technology integrations or something like that. Like a big company could be great for that. And you can still kind of grow in your role and not be tied to a small salary band or title. But if you want to be more focused on the whole business, a startup is a great place and scale up to stay because you're going to get all that exposure. And selfishly, I think that that's more fun, but everyone's different. Everyone's different in what they like to do. Some people like being in like a playground. Some people like being just in the sandbox, you know? So like, I think it kind of depends on what suits you. I haven't heard that analogy before. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) I just made it up. (laughs) You made it up? Nice. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with either of them. Yeah. It's all about doing some internal thought processes on what do you like. I know that I don't, I I would not want to go to a large organization. I've known Mm -hmm. that about myself ever since I started working. And I talk to people who work for Target Corporate and that's very big in Minnesota, right? And Mm -hmm. it's, it's just not for me. There's a lot of amazing opportunity out there, but it's not what I was, was ever going to jump into. But I also accepted that I wouldn't have some of those opportunities that you could have had there versus, you know, all of the opportunities that I had working more on the scale up side. So maybe the last question I have for us is like, well, what do because the the interesting thing on that same post is the person said that they didn't want to go work for an agency. And so I thought, oh, how come? But then I thought about like how maybe typical agencies run and I could kind of see that, too. But. Like, what do we think about trying to pivot and become more of a consultant or work at a agency? Is that a better path to getting higher in your career or does it not matter? Oh, yeah. Good question. I think it obviously depends. So the potential that I think you get at an agency, assuming it's a good agency, like CS2, but there are other good agencies, maybe one or two others, but <laughs> no, I'm joking. If you're working for like one, one like ours, where there's a lot of kind of like different projects that you're working on, really smart, talented team around you, lots of learning opportunities. You're predominantly working on interesting, bigger projects. You're not typically not there just keeping the lights on for clients, like more of the premium type agency where companies are paying you to, to deliver good pieces of work, right? When you have that, you're going to get way more reps at all of the work. So I think just kind of less about the actual career progression through a hierarchy and more about just like your own skill development. That is a massive win on the consulting side. And that's whether you're independent consultant, you know, agency, like anything that just pay people are paying you to deliver work, like really important work. And you're going to do that over and over and over again. Really good for skills development. I think that when it comes to then... The other side where if you think about one of the reasons why people always want to progress in their career in ops is they've like maybe done it for so long and they want to maybe break out of just like some of the actual technical implementation and they want to work on the strategy. And they maybe want some people that they can direct and kind of help with the actual building, testing, et cetera. They don't have to be the one like going into Marketo, going into HubSpot, et cetera. So I think that an agency is or could also be good there, depending on the way the agency is set up, because often we're working on bigger strategic projects. And if you're the person that has to then be the one thinking about all the big strategic stuff, then you might also have a team that you can help actually get that work done. Different to an independent consultant and different than like in-house 
individual contributor team of one, when you join an agency, you have a team around you and that gives you the ability to leverage them and potentially level yourself up. So I think it definitely can help you progress in your career. And then because these type of agencies like ours, we are doing very strategic, important projects, it then opens the door to being able to be like a director or a senior director. Like we've got how about like five, six senior directors on our team. So I think it definitely can progress you. And I think some of this has been directed by like us going through kind of our hiring thinking recently and talking to people where if we were hiring, we've actually put it on pause for now, but looking for a director and speaking to a lot of senior managers and a lot of them kind of giving us the feedback where like they feel stunted in their growth to be able to get to director. But then us as an agency are offering a director position. So I think that tells you something. I don't know their reasons for not wanting to work for an agency. Maybe they're great reasons. But at the same time, I don't think that's great advice for everyone. I think actually agency side, obviously, I mean, we run an agency, a bit biased, but it's actually a really good way to develop your career. I felt that 100% personally. I can speak to myself here. Like I was at the senior manager level in-house, asked for opportunities to grow into a director had a path, but it was definitely a longer term path than I thought that I was ready for. Moved into another role, moved over here. And in hindsight, I actually don't think I would have done really well in a director role by moving from a senior manager to a director in the same organization. Because I knew what I knew, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And when I moved over into an agency where everybody's brilliant here, and I've learned like 25 years of experience in two years, you can't pay for that. Now I feel like I could go into that organization again and say, cool, I'm ready for the director role. At this point, I'm ready for the VP of revenue operations, right? Because I've seen it done so many different ways in such a short amount of time. So I think that it's very valuable to look at if you have the right agency doing the right level of work that you're trying to do as an opportunity to get all of those at-bats, but also just learn from so many people. Yeah. Totally. And now at CST, you've got a team you, three people report to you, your right. senior director on path for like the VP role, mm-hmm. maybe even future building out that team and layers in that team. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of possibility there. There's a lot of possibility. That would be, would take way longer probably if you're mm-hmm. working for kind of startup, scale up type tech companies, small mops teams, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I think also I see it maybe having more potential than independent consultancy because like you said, people need to do the work. And like when you're an agency, you have more of the people go around to help do the work and you can focus on the consulting. But it's very rare that companies are going to want to hire a consultant without them actually doing the work because they just don't have the resources internally to do that. They might hire a consultant for like demand gen or something and then their team can execute on it. But I very rarely see the need to like shell out the dollars for operations consultancy without being like, oh, but I need you to actually do it too. And so then you are kind of stuck doing that. It doesn't mean that that's a bad path to forage. It's just different. And by doing the work, you mean like actual kind of hands on Actual hands on keyboard doing the work. Yeah, implementation. Yeah, it's just something to to think about, depending on what your goals are for your career too. That can pay pretty well, but then you have to, you are your own marketer, your own salesperson, your own everything. And so you actually are probably going to spend a fraction of your time actually doing the work than what you thought. Yeah, well, there you have to ask, do you want to be a business owner or do you want to be an operations <laughs> Yeah, leader? You know, exactly. like that becomes the big thing, right? 
Well, I mean, if yeah. you're an independent consultant, I mean, I guess you are going up the levels because you're CEO and COO <laughs> and all of the things now, like you, you've probably got a lot more than you bargained for. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a, a lot of work. It's a lot of work, any role that you do, but obviously independent consultant, I think people underestimate the business side, right? Like yeah. how are you going to form your company? How are you going to pay your taxes? How are you going to figure out accounting? How are you going to fill out, figure out sales and marketing? You're a whole business as an independent consultant, but you're doing everything. And then you've got to actually earn a living through your consulting and trying yeah. to make sure you've got to balance those things. So it's a lot, but it's great. I mean, we did that. That's yeah. how we started 10 years ago. So definitely recommend it as a way to, to learn a lot and as a great career path, but don't take it lightly. We started it like, oh, this is going to be a bit of a lifestyle thing for us. And it was way harder than any job we've ever had. So <laughs> It's a different kind of heart. But yeah, like one thing that I've kind of noticed or I feel like is just useful career advice too, especially as you're still going up the ranks, is to still try and stay close to what actually needs to be done and following the innovation. And I think when you get too removed and from the actual tactics too, just in operations is really unique to that because a big part of being able to lead a team to do the right things, you kind of need to understand what's possible. And so I think for a leader, you can't just fully kind of remove yourself. And if anything, I think spending short bursts of time to really understand what's the latest tactics that people are doing, maybe that's working with your team to kind of push them to do some certifications and then report back and talk about how they're, you know, doing it, whatever it might be. But I think getting a little bit close to the work still can be really useful. When I feel like when you're too far removed and if that happens for a really long time, I think your direct reports will feel that. I always think of there's like a scene in the show, The Bear, if anyone watches it, it was nominated for a lot of stuff, but they're in this like really fancy restaurant and the head person that started it, like she's peeling potatoes. She doesn't need to be probably doing that. Like she has all the accolades and everything and Michelin stars and stuff like that. But in some ways stays close to like the true job at its core a little bit and just spend some time like doing that. And I feel like that in some ways is kind of what an operator, especially if you're an independent consultant, you're just doing it. But if you're not an independent consultant, but then your team's doing a lot of tactics, I think still kind of taking some time maybe yourself to like, do a little bit of that work or understand some of the work actually can be a bit useful to just stay on top of it. And that could just be like understanding what's possible. But I do think that really great operators, even at a certain level, aren't just strategy and then that's it. And so there's just, just something to note. I don't think you should do any of the work below you, but just something to keep in mind. So yeah, that's my, my last tip. Anything else, Sander and Charlie, before we wrap it up? I don't think so. I think a lot of it is just really reflecting on what you want from your career, right? The good thing is there's lots of options. The bad thing is a lot of those, a lot of those options do cap out somewhere if you really want to keep pushing. And you might have to think strategically about lateral moves to then keep moving up. But it's possible. There's examples of people that have gone all the way to C-suite from ups. You just have to really think strategically about what you what you want to do. And I think that my bit here is also be okay with where you're at. I think that there's a lot of people out there who enjoy the work that they're doing now, and they might be listening to this episode being, well, they're probably not listening now. But if you are still listening now and you're like, I'm really good with where I'm at, like there's nothing wrong with, with having that point of view as well. I think that 
it's obviously the part of the conversation, but I think that you hear a lot of people being like, I always need to be grinding the ladder. And that's not for everybody. So yeah, don't go FOMO. Find right? what feels good. Yeah, totally. exactly. Good advice. The more you go up, there's sometimes the more problems and the more stress oh, yeah. and the more issues. So it's not all roses and unicorns I anywhere wish. in the ladder, right? So anyway, to start, things change. You know, things can change if you want to not be doing the work all the time, bring on people. And then before you know it, you're ready an agency. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a podcast <laughs> telling people what to do. <laughs> all right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. Um, hope you enjoyed the topic and thought it was insightful. We'll see you next time on the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. Have a good one. <laughs>